0: Welcome, everybody, to a very special podcast. I'm Shabal Raish, uh, your host, um, and welcome to another Perusia podcast. I'm with a very special guest, a, a good friend uh, who's been to Australia. He's a professor at Steubenville University, uh, along with Scott Hahn and many of our friends over there. Uh, his name is Dr. John Bergsma, and he joins me live right now uh, from the United States. G'day, John. Yes, Charbel. Good day. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Uh, we've had a, a few technical difficulties getting this uh, off the ground, but here we are, <laughs> finally <laughs> connected. Yes, you got to love technology.
1: Yes, it's great when it works.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, h- how are things going over in the states yourself? I, I imagine um, the um, the coronavirus has affected the university campus? What, what's life like at the moment uh, where you are?
1: Well, we're all shut down. We're all under a stay-at-home order, uh, so we can only leave the house for uh, necessary uh, <clears throat> engagements, which are considered uh, groceries, um, the pharmacy, and uh, a few other things. Um, the university is locked down, and all instruction has gone online. I'm actually over in my office. I had to get security to let me in uh, because there's a stronger broadband over here uh, to uh, make this video call work all the way to Australia, uh, as you know. But um, anyway, uh, so that's what it's like. All all my adult children, I I have eight children, um, five of them uh, at the university. And all the older ones have moved back in because they got kicked out of dorms um so i have uh you know a household of nine people nine to (laughs) (laughs) ten right now and uh it's it's pretty interesting we're all under the same roof again uh which we haven't been for a few years and uh yeah it's close quarters but (laughs) there's some fun aspects to of it you know family dinners are fun
0: we've got similar um lockdown laws here in australia and um same sort of scenario um although in some states schools are still open oh, that's uh, nice. yeah universities are, are closed people are strongly recommended to stay home but if they absolutely have to go to work they're allowing that um okay. but interesting times i guess as you said families are coming back home there's a time there for us to reconnect with our loved ones and although we might uh, be on top of each other um <laughs> i mean the blessing in disguise has been family time uh Right. Uh, it's happened for me personally just being at home it's just been very different uh, and it's been such a, a nice uh experience to, to be able to be around the kids a lot longer um, yes. building in a bit of a routine and, and making sure when I'm working and when I'm not and, and and it's been it's been a nice experience for us personally great now I want to um uh talk about just a bit about your background and then and get into some of the books that you've written Particularly, I'm holding uh, in my hands um, this one. This is the Augustine Institute um, print, Bible Basics for Catholics. uh, And um, I'm actually doing a a special for anyone watching the podcast. Um, All they have to do is go to our website, search for this, and they put in PP for Perusia Podcast and then JB, PPJB. And um, that's Perusia Podcast, John Bergsma. And then they just have to say, bbc bible basic catholics so (laughs) so those letters we'll put it up on the screen in the recording Um, but the first letter of each word uh, your podcast john bergs My bible basic catholics one letter of each um we'll put it on the screen and send it out in the description when this is live but that will last for a month you'll get um 20 off this book and i really love this book i don't know if people can see it but the little sketches inside and we're going to dive into that a bit later but before i do i want to get Give people a, an idea of your background, John. Um, you're a, a, a convert to the faith, and um, you're not a cradle Catholic, so it would be nice to to learn a bit about your background and how you entered into the church.
1: Sure. Well, uh, you know we can do the thirty second or the three minute or the three hour version of that, <laughs> but I'll, I'll try to keep it really really brief, and then you can, you know, probe where you'd like to find out more. Uh, But to make things really brief, um, my father was a U.S. Navy chaplain, uh, and I I come from a Dutch American family, and there's a strong tradition of Calvinism in uh, the Netherlands, uh, as some people might know. Um, In fact, the state church of the Netherlands is, is called Reformed, which really is one of the terms that Calvinists used for themselves. So, you know, Luther is the best known reformer, but Calvin is probably the second best known. And, uh, he started, you know, a, a whole movement. So, uh, churches like, uh, Presbyterian churches, those are probably the best known, uh, to our listeners. Uh, so my background, you might call it Dutch Presbyterianism. Uh, in any event, um, uh, I was la- last of five kids, uh, went to, um, a big Calvinist, uh, college in Michigan Um, to get my training to become a pastor uh, back in the 90s. And then I served as a uh, Protestant pastor in Michigan for, let's say, four to five years uh, back in the 90s. And then near the end of the 90s, uh, I went down to the University of Notre Dame, where there was a a Calvinist uh, teaching in the theology department. Um, in scripture, and I wanted to get a doctorate under him, which I eventually did. But uh, on, the, on the way to completing that doctorate, I ended up becoming Catholic. And how that worked was uh, I, I became friends or was befriended by these really uh, wonderful uh, Catholic graduate students there, um, one in particular. And uh, to keep this really short, Uh, he he started getting together with me, and we would argue theology, and he basically explained the Catholic faith from Scripture to me, and then got me to read the earliest of the church fathers. And that was really the turning point. When I read uh, fathers like uh, Clement of Rome and Ignatius of Antioch, and when I saw that all the all the fundamental ingredients that you need for Catholicism were already present in the writings and the thought of these earliest of the fathers who actually knew the apostles, you know? So reading these guys, these guys knew the apostles and these guys thought and spoke like Catholics. And it was really obvious to me. And it suddenly dawned on me that the early church just was Catholic and that the Catholic Church just is the early Church, only grown up, so to speak. And that was the Church that Jesus founded. And my group had split off from that. And like, you know, for you, Charbel, well, that's like obvious. But for me, you know, I saw things completely the other way around. You know, I thought my group was the original group, and the Catholics had left my group. You know.
0: Yes. Yes. So sort of saw
1: that the hat the the hats were switched around the shoes were on the other feet this is you know i I wasn't the center of christianity catholicism was the center of christianity and like that that all dawned on me within the space of like 36 hours after reading the the uh apostolic fathers and so i I decided to become catholic and then that one thing led to another and you know that was a, a a year and a half long process of entering into the church and jumping the hoops and telling our families and everything. But uh, I became Catholic, yeah, in, in 2001, February 24th, 2001, the uh, Saturday vigil before Ash Wednesday came in. So that's a very brief, very brief. But, you know, I, I give that talk a lot and, you know, sometimes spend about 90 minutes, you know, explaining yeah. everything that went into that. And uh, it's, uh, it's a horrific and humorous uh, story uh, at the same time.
0: I am. I'm very curious. Um, so you were studying your doctorate. What was the doctorate on um, at the time? So you were a Protestant, You yeah. were a Calvinist at the time, or Presbyterian then. What was the, right. the doctorate on?
1: Yeah. So I ended up working on the year of jubilee in Leviticus 25. Okay. And I, I wrote a study of how the jubilee year was understood and reinterpreted by the the great prophets like isaiah jeremiah ezekiel and then into uh what we call the second temple period which is like the centuries leading right up to uh jesus um and there, there's a, most people are unaware but there's a lot of uh, jewish writings from that time period between uh say the last of the prophets like uh, malachi and uh, the coming of our lord You know, that period between say 300 BC and Jesus's ministry, we do have a fair number of Jewish writings from that period, and uh, they're pretty interesting and they give some background uh, for understanding the New Testament. So, anyway, I I looked at that the year of Jubilee and how it was understood through that whole time period.
0: Okay. And um, as a once you became Catholic, I'm wondering um, uh, first of all, let's just the struggle there in your conversion. you know, sometimes, as you said, you you had the shoes on the other feet or it, it felt different. Um, how hard was that struggle? You know, your, your social, your friends, circle of friends, your family, um, everything you knew up to that point, what was it like? Were you sort of trying to fight off this can't be right, this can't be right? Um, yes. Fighting off that um, idea that, hang on, the church, Catholic church can't be the true church. Um, what was it like during that year and a half?
1: Yeah. It was really unpleasant. Um, I didn't want the Catholic Church to be right. And when I started uh, reading these church fathers, and, you know, the, the, as you know, uh, Charvel, because I think I've given this talk uh, when you've been around or, or you yes. may have heard it. Um, so, I mean, the real turning point was a, a passage from St. Ignatius of Antioch. He, he wrote a letter to the church in Smyrna which is in modern-day Turkey, and um, he told these early Christians just a few years after the death of St. John the Apostle, he told them, look, stay away from anyone who refuses to confess the Eucharist to be the flesh of our Savior Jesus Christ, um, which suffered for our sins, and which the Father in his goodness raised for our salvation, Uh, So, again, you know, this 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 early church father is warning the Christians to stay away from anybody who won't confess the Eucharist to be the flesh of Jesus. And that's precisely what I was doing as a Calvinist uh, pastor. Uh, You know, I I actually pulled people away from the Catholic Church. I would I would evangelize um, Catholics and and try to make them part of my little congregation. And uh, one of the things that I was dead set against was this idea of the Eucharist really being the flesh of Jesus. In fact, uh, I held, I I had to hold in my old uh, group that um, the mass was a condemnable idolatry because it was people worshiping bread and wine, which is ridiculous. You know, that's just, that's like, it's like idol worship, you know. So I was I was really shocked when I realized that this early church father who was formed by the apostle John warned the early Christians to stay away from people like me basically you know that, that he would, that this early father would would have considered me a heretic and he would like stay away from John you know <laughs> John's got these false opinions you know and he actually yeah uses the, a, a term like some term like heresy for you know these false opinions that deny the Eucharist. So, um, so that was really shocking, Sh- Charbel. And I had this like sinking feeling that, oh no, uh, maybe the real presence is right. If that's right, then I'm going to have to become a Catholic. You know, and and all those like the implications were dawning on I me, mean, like becoming Catholic. And I had nightmares. Um, I kept uh, thinking of that scene from um, Star Wars where uh luke skywalker is out on the you know the sky bridge you know and and uh he's hanging on and darth vader says i am your father you know and and it it was the pope you know the pope saying i am your father like no you know no, the Pope can't be my father, you know, yeah. Catholicism can't be right. This is, this is awful. I don't want to go over to the dark side, you know? And um, so, yeah, it was, it was frightening and, and telling our families was really unpleasant and we got a whole bunch of different reactions, you know, I mean, the, uh, from indifference or people like just shrugged and like, well, whatever the heck you want to do with your life, you know? But then others were violently upset. My uh, my wife's grandfather was violently angry. My my closest brother—I've got three brothers. The one closest to me, uh, he just was irate, and and we had you know violent arguments and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it it was it was not easy. It was it was a difficult. Difficult time of our, our of our uh, lives, yeah.
0: Um, I, that's in- interesting because many people would be um, in a boat uh, in the similar boat, just practicing their faith uh, divides families. But but for you right. to leave the church of of your family, that the identity that you guys grew up in, um, what now? Nineteen years later, um, have has the family accepted it? Um, uh, wh- where are they now? You, you I mean, you are still. Um, uh, how they, they realize the work you've been doing as a Catholic. How, are, how have things been um, over time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that brother that uh, was violently opposed, he ended up becoming Catholic himself. <laughs> so it's God. <laughs> yeah. so he, and, he and I now are the two black sheep of the family. Um, um, I have a brother in law and a brother who are pastors. Um, but, um, you know, things have, you know, the, the dust has settled and, uh, I think my relationship with them is pretty good. Um, and, you know, we talk and we even talk theology a little bit now. Um, and I give my brother-in-law a lot of credit. Uh, he came, uh, last year actually to a meeting where I was giving my conversion story and he listened to, li- listen to me tell, you know, why I became Catholic and I, I just, you know, hats off to him. I give him a lot of kudos for that because uh, I'm sure it was a little bit painful for him to listen to that talk, but he sat through it and, and paid me that respect. So I got the greatest respect for him for doing that. My oldest brother too, one one time came to a Catholic parish while I was giving my conversion story and he and his whole family listened to it. And I can't, you know, can't say enough good about the courage it took to, to listen to me tell that story. So, um, yeah, I, I think that you know the the relationship with the family has has calmed down and and uh, you know the relationships have been restored and, and, I, and I, on a good uh, we're all in speaking terms again and um, we know we've got our differences but um, you know we also recognize each other as brothers and sisters in Christ united by our common baptism.
0: Amen. So, Thank yeah, you for that. Sure. That that's an important. Um, it's an important uh, part of, it's a real part of our lives and people, um, we're not always on the same page even within families, but thank you for, for opening up there and, and I guess people can see the full version. There is a CD, um, I'm not sure if there's a DVD um, of your conversion story or at least the video uh, online. Um, Catholic Productions have a good range of your resources on CD. Uh, is there a video that people can watch of the full version of that?
1: Um, yeah, somewhere there is. Um, well, not the full version, but there's a uh, somewhere on Franciscan's website. There okay. should probably be like a 25 minute version that I did a few months ago okay. uh, for the kickoff of um, the St. Paul Center's um, uh, uh, Bible and the Church Fathers series. Oh, yes. uh, So if we did a little poking around, we could probably find that.
0: Yeah, I'll make sure we get that to people. That'll be very interesting. Yeah. Tell us about your journey now. Since being a Catholic, um, uh, did you continue studies? I mean, what, what was it like in those early years to to be a Catholic? Um, did you do another um, a degree in as a Catholic, or did you what what did you do further in your personal uh, formation uh, in the Catholic
1: sure. Church? Well, I came into the church about halfway through my doctoral program in Scripture. And yeah. so I finished off that doctorate um, and then um, got to know Scott Hahn uh, through, a, through my sponsor, uh, who was a mutual, a mutual friend. And Scott and I had a lot of conversations, and I ended up moving to Steubenville, um, actually right into the house that I still live in, uh, back in um, 2003. And I, I worked for a year as Scott Hahn's research assistant, Maybe some of our listeners are familiar with Scott Hahn. He's probably uh, one of the most famous Catholics in America uh, right now. Um, and uh, so I worked as his research assistant for a year. And then um, the a position for an Old Testament professor came open here at the Franciscan University of Steubenville. And I applied and got that position and began teaching in 2004 and uh, have been teaching here ever since. I'm currently on sabbatical uh, working on some other books. Um, but yeah, over the past, uh, how many ever years that's been about uh, since what's now? Oh, three, about 16 years or so. Um, it's It's been a wild ride. Uh, our family has grown. We moved here with six kids, uh, and our youngest was one year old. And now we have eight, and their ages range, for, range from seven to 24. Wow. Uh, five, five of them are at the university now. Um, the oldest is about to graduate, uh, and um, one is a high school senior that's taking transitional courses at the university. Um, I've written eight books in the past 16 years on various aspects of the Catholic faith and scripture. Um and uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, you know a lot of a lot of things have taken place, but um, it's been a good ride, I guess. You know, one thing Charvel, is that, that has surprised me is is how my uh, reading of Scripture really took off once I became a Catholic, and that was completely unexpected. I would compare my reading of the Bible before becoming Catholic to now as like reading the Bible in black and white. And now reading it in color, wow. Maybe uh, maybe that's more meaningful for folks of my age who remember uh, black and white TVs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, it really is just a dramatic. You know, it's like it's it's just in vibrant color. Or yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, a better analogy for the contemporary uh, uh, you know generation would be the move to high def or something like yeah. that. Well, uh, Day. 4, 4k images you know something yeah. like that um but uh yeah it's just amazed me that once you start participating in the sacraments um you you see the sacraments in scripture and the sacraments allow you to get more out of scripture and it becomes much more lively and much more vibrant mm-hmm. um that's what i'd say in a nutshell but uh yeah i mean thanks be to god i mean a scripture is so much more uh, powerful to me now, even than it was before. And I was a scripture scholar, and that's what I was planning to do with my life.
0: Wow. Can I talk about then, what was the, the first, you've got eight books. Um, uh, uh, can you rattle them off um, in a row, starting from the first one? You don't have to get them all in a row, but uh, what was the first uh, publication? And then um, what have you been busy with since?
1: Sure. The first was Bible Basics for Catholics, and uh, that, that, that established my reputation as doing these stick figures and, and teaching the Bible using stick figures. It sold really well, and, and that really helped my career uh, move forward. So I followed that up with New Testament Basics for Catholics, which was the same method, uh, but closer up on the New Testament. Uh, then Psalm Basics for Catholics, And uh, then uh, Stunned by Scripture, How the Bible Made Me Catholic, which is my conversion story. Um, And then an evangelistic book called Yes, There is a God and Other Answers to Life's Big Questions. It's my shortest book and the easiest to read, but the hardest to write. And in many ways, it's my little baby. I I really wish people would read that book, but um, it's uh, uh, probably my my worst seller, which is which is shame, because I really really love that little book. Wow. And then um, uh, then my biggest book, which was the the Catholic Introduction to the Bible: Colon Old Testament, uh, which is you know what it what it sounds like. It's an intro to the Old Testament for um, lay people and priests and so on. And uh, then most recently, um, uh, Jesus and the Dead Sea Scrolls, Revealing the Jewish Roots of Christianity. That just came out last year uh, from uh, Random House uh, uh, Penguin Books. I don't know if it's reached Australia yet, but um, yeah, I'm really proud of that book, too that's a look at the Dead Sea Scrolls and how they shed light on the New Testament gospels, the origins of the church, the sacraments. Uh, it's really fun stuff. And um, I found it really, really enjoyable to write and and even enjoyable to read because uh, I've forgotten. <laughs> I wrote most of it like between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. Wow. in the mornings. And quickly forgot what I wrote. So I'll pick it up sometimes and just start reading because I can remember everything I put down. and It's, it's pretty good stuff. was um, a fun, fun, fun book. Um, and then there's my dissertation, uh, you know, which is on the Jubilee year. And uh, that, that's really, it's a technical work and it's really expensive um, and not much fun to read. So I don't recommend that anybody read it, but <laughs> it's out there.
0: Um, and are they all various publishers is that right Um,
1: yes so three of them are with Ave Maria uh, press um, uh, which is a ministry of the Holy Cross order that runs the University of Notre Dame here in the US okay Um, then um, Stunned by Scripture is with Our Sunday Visitor Um, Yes There is a God is with uh, the Word Among Us press um, and, uh, the introduction to the Bible is with, uh, Ignatius press. And then, um, the, uh, Jesus and the Dead Sea Scrolls is with, uh, Penguin Random House. They're, they're, uh, they merged and, um, yeah. And then, uh, the dissertation is with, uh, Brill, which is, uh, a, a European academic, uh, publisher. Okay. Uh, I, th- I think that's all of them.
0: All on your website. Uh, so you do have a website, yes. if you wanna, yep Johnbergsma.com.
1: Johnbergsma.com. If people can't remember how to spell Bergsma, um, just catholicbibleteacher.com. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. All lowercase, uh, and that'll redirect to the website. Yep.
0: Fantastic. We'll make sure it's on the on the on the screen there as people see it. Um, and uh, what what else is there? You've got articles on there, and um, some other uh, you've got resources on there. Um, and can people be in touch with you via that website?
1: Yes, people can get in contact with me through that website. Um, I, I put my pilgrimages up there. I usually lead uh, at least one pilgrimage a year. Um, okay. We're a little bit dicey. We're scheduled to go mid June. As of right now, that still looks possible, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, regardless, if, if it if we if it gets uh, canceled, we'll reschedule but i have two uh two pilgrimages lined up um for next year um and folks from australia would be happy to are, are, are welcome to join in all you have to do is make your own flight to tel aviv yes. <laughs> and then you can join us uh, uh but yeah pilgrimages uh audio is there um probably folks in uh, the great down under would probably want to do the MP3s because that'd be yeah. an instant download for them. Don't have to worry about shipping a physical product. That's right. um, we're doing more video now as well. Uh, so there's uh, just just today, we released um, a new video product of mine uh, called uh, the Triduum through Jewish Eyes, and uh, it's a set of. Um, uh, three talks actually that I'm sorry I'm sorry sure well that might that might still be audio, uh, audio. but it's a set of, it's a set of three talks on uh, you know yeah the Holy Thursday Good Friday and uh, and Easter Sunday morning um, so that's timely maybe folks might w- want to take advantage of that
0: and that's downloadable uh, they
1: could that's, download- yeah that's, that absolutely that's downloadable um, and uh, a 16-part um, Bible study on the Dead Sea Scrolls that is on video, and um, uh, they're they're working on that. I, I can't remember now if if that's been released, but it's coming up quick. So yeah, fun stuff. The books as well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, wow. Well, look, um, I want to make sure, and I encourage all listeners to please visit the website um, and, and and get in touch. Uh, this is. You, really, I, I feel like um, it took me a while to discover you once I did and, and I just started to explore your work. I just thought, wow, this is just phenomenal stuff. And uh, And I love how you've started very basic. Literally, this book I'm holding my hand, anybody can read this. Um, yes. And it, it's done where even high school students can can pick this up, the sketches you've got. And I, I've actually witnessed you giving talks to high school students. And, um, yes. And what a great <laughs> yes. uh, method you know the whiteboard you just put the stick figures up and really right. clever um, i might as we close um this is what i, I want to get everyone i guess to start their journey for, with john bergsma i highly recommend this um get this first book is okay. done um what uh, what could you tell what what makes this difference so besides the stick figures why when i look at all the different um salvation history books uh you know, I think Dr. Michael Barber's done one. Dr. Scott Hans got his father, our father's plan. Um, we've got, um, uh, of course, uh, Ed Shree has his um, re- the real story. Um, Jeff Cavins has the the Bible um, timeline. So we we've, we've been promoting all those books. But yeah, well, this one different. And and, and uh, yeah,
1: mine is the absolute most uh, easiest to read. Yes, um, and you can. It uses visuals, you, these very simple sketches that you can do yourself on a piece of paper. And the visuals help you to remember uh, and literally visualize the story of Scripture. Uh, so you can read the book in about three hours. And at the end, you literally have like a visual picture of how the Bible all fits together. And um, and then when you go to Mass, when you hear the readings, you can fit the different readings in your mind under like the picture that kind of represents the, the, the period or the epoch, the covenant, you know, that, that they were part of. And, um, and there, there are a lot of aha moments, like just, just the act of visualizing. There's a lot of like light bulbs go on for people when they read that book, a lot of things that even if they're, you know, pretty well formed Catholics, like, there's a, there's a lot of things that just connect for people yeah. uh, when they when they read that book and um, it, like like I said any you know anybody who can read English it's simple enough like you know for like third graders whatever they can read the book and they can get it but also older more experienced Catholics um, who may have had a lot of formation but not see how Scripture fits together like how it's unified. Will still uh, profit from that relatively simple book because, Sharvil, that the the ideas in that book, um, I didn't know them as of age thirty. Okay, I I was, I had basically a, a completed doctorate in scripture, and yet I didn't have the insights that are in that simple book. You know, <laughs> and I, I wrote that after my conversion and after working with Scott Hahn for a year. And it's basically based on Scott Hahn's dissertation, which you probably know is this huge book that's now published by Yale University. And, uh, and I, I was trying to think, how could I boil down this great information from Scott Hahn into a way that communicates to students? And I started doing sketches on the board and then a few years later put it into book form. And um, so anyway, it's a, it's a special book. And I think that people, if they've not read it before, not experienced that before, I think they really, it's fun. It's enjoyable. Um, it's accessible. It's easy, easy to get through. And, and some of the insights are, are really powerful.
0: Well, thank you for saying that. Um, I'm, I'm going to give people, this is just a sample of the sketches we're talking. <laughs> about. So I love this. Uh and just to whet your appetite, look at this, the, the idea of um, time, space, and habitat. And then you've got the Sabbath on the seventh day. I love how you've God building a house, this concept of the creation. Right, and the simply.
1: seven days of creation as a temple.
0: Really fantastic. Um, yeah, it's a great concept. To do something that, in that, other words, has been uh, uh, very complex for people somehow. or We make it complex, but we don't have to. <laughs> it's very simple. Right. And and. Thank you so much for this work. Again, for those, twenty uh, percent off for only the viewers and listeners of this show. Um, and you just put in the initials of everything. So, PP for Perusia Podcast. You put JB for John Bergsma, and then the, the first letters of each book: BBC. Um, and and then that we'll put that on the screen, put it in the description, and that way you'll have the code. Everyone will get twenty percent off. We want as many Catholics reading this as possible: um, primary, high school, university students. And even, as John said, anyone who's even done some study, this will connect the dots for you. And then from there, you've got a foundation you can build on. So uh, really recommend that. John, just in closing, um, thank you once again. Um, Please be in touch. You are coming to uh, Australia, um, God willing, uh, in October. Um, If the coronavirus settles down, (laughs) uh, the travel ban gets lifted. Uh, We hope to see you this year. Uh, But uh, just in in, in general, um, yeah, if we want to um, uh, stay in touch, we'll be on the website. Any final um, word to people during this time of, I guess, struggle, um, during this time of possibly, um, you know, uh, uncertainty for people, people are scared, um, any final word just in this time we're living in right now? I mean, it's not brand new. Um, To the Old Testament, we've, we've heard of different plagues and different things that people struggle through. Could you maybe give a bit of a uh, insight, uh, maybe um, for Catholics right now or anyone? Um, how do we can we have hope in a time right now where people are dying in Italy? Uh, America's got the highest rate of um, people who are tested positive for coronavirus and and climbing every day. Um, you know, around the world, it's just it is crazy at the moment. What could you give us um, in closing? A bit of spiritual nourishment. <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, yes, absolutely. Well, you know, it's it's the mystery of the cross. You know, the cross is the is the interpretive key not only for the Bible but for all of reality. And and what is the cross? It's like this great act of evil where the only innocent man that ever lived is being put to death. But then ironically that also becomes our path to salvation. That's like our way to be saved. And that's the basic principle of life is that uh, salvation is through suffering and the sufferings that we get sent are actually our salvation and if if we will embrace them if we will accept them you know so we got to we actually got to embrace this crisis i say we got to lean into the crisis we got to consent to it we got to say lord uh, i i receive this crisis from you this crisis is part of my salvation there is something good there, there is a profound good in what we're going through that I need to discover that I need to find right now, um, and and more and more that's what I, I've been learning, and you know, in my prayer and in my spiritual reading, is that it, it, it for me to embrace my crosses, right. right now the cross we're all bearing with is this coronavirus and so we we need to embrace this not not the virus and not other people like social distancing totally okay so don't embrace other people but, but embrace the suffering what i mean is you know really like accept it from the lord stop stop complaining about it stop resisting the the inconveniences and so on and and consent to them and say lord i receive this from you and then and then start actively looking how is this good for how is this good in my life what good can come from this and we talked about this earlier at the beginning of the show you know um lots of good is coming in my family life um all my kids are home we're having family dinners together we're praying together as a family uh there's a lot of good fruit uh we're discovering that we can do things that we didn't think we could do I've got a special needs seven-year-old who requires a lot of therapy. Um, we were sending him to a school. We just thought we, we couldn't handle him all day long. Well, we're learning that, yeah, we, actually we can handle him all day long. And we can do some of the therapy with him ourselves. And so we're being stretched, but we're also growing. And, um, um, you know, I... I Spent a lot of time traveling and speaking. All that's been canceled, but now I'm ha- I'm being able to to read and to research and to pray and to do a lot of things that are quieter, but were uh, not uh, possible for me to do. And um, and a lot of wonderful fruit is coming out of that. Um, reconnecting with scholarly colleagues, having long conversations, you know, really thinking some, some deeper theological thoughts that weren't able to have. So, I mean, these are just personal examples, Charbo, for everybody, it's going to be different, but, um, I think that this can be profoundly good. Uh, I think it's going to change our culture in that even after the, the, um, virus is over, um, there's going to be some lasting changes in mindset, uh, if if we accept it, and I think it can be good for the church in our, lo- our local churches, as well as the church around the world, um, maybe this will sober us up a little bit, a little bit too. And we'll realize how precious life is. Uh, and we'll stop, um, you know, blocking life uh, through contraception and uh, you know, and euthanasia and other attacks against life. And we'll, re- we'll Maybe this will sober us up and we'll realize that we can't just take it for granted that uh, we have the technology, you know, to survive. Um, <clears throat> maybe we can begin seeing that children are a real gift and we really need children because the future is not a given. And it's not just given that, you know, our nations are just gonna survive without, <laughs> without families, you know, right. things like that. Uh, maybe we'll stop, um, taking old, uh, uh, older persons for granted. And, um, you know, so I think that, uh, that we could really learn to respect life more through this and, and a lot of other spiritual fruits. So I, I think, I think this can be tremendously good, uh, Charble. Um, you know, God used, uh, used times of judgment in in the Bible to, call his people back to himself. We see this again and again in the Old Testament. And uh, that's what this could be for us as a church and, and even the whole societies. You know, we could we could come back to God through this and, you know, realize that life is a gift from him, um, that uh, our lives might be much shorter than we realize. So now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to bow our knees before the lordship of jesus so that we may be saved uh, now is the time to be baptized to go to confession to receive the sacraments and get our lives right with the lord of the universe who is jesus christ you know th- those are all good things that could come out of this
0: amen that's great so all that suffering there is still fruit to be bid and people uh we hope that we are made for the next world right so we yeah have keep our have eyes on heaven so I want to thank you for joining us today, and uh, please know of our prayers. Uh, we're praying for you, and I encourage everyone um, to, to to visit your website. Please pray for us. Think of us down under as yes. well.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Be praying hello. for you all the time.
0: Uh, well, more details will come out uh, um, about the October trip. Um, if, God willing, uh, that goes ahead. <laughs> so, yes. Um, I'm just going to close here um, before we turn off, and I'm just going to invite everyone. Thank you to John for joining us, and again, get this book. Uh, do yourself a favor; um, it's a great uh, read. Um, since you know we've got time at home to read or, or study, get into the basics for now. Start with the Bible. I highly recommend it, um, and then get your build your foundation through this book. Um, Pray for John's ministry and his work at Steubenville and his family writing the books. Visit johnbergsman.com. And, and I want to thank everybody uh, for your support in this time. Keep those prayers happening. Stay close to your family and loved ones and appreciate life as we never know if we're going to be here to tomorrow. Um, that's another Perusia podcast. I'm Shabal Reish. And until next time, have a blessed, um, blessed God bless.